Hello, everyone. This is Ryan, and welcome to High Tech on Life. So it's June again, and for most people in the tech community, that means focusing on the Worldwide Developers Conference that Apple puts on every year. Many people go through, and especially the day before, they do kind of a rumor roundup and see what to expect at WWDC. Well, it's happened. It happened yesterday. And so what I thought we'd do today is look at how the rumors did. How did the rumor mill do this year? It seems like ever since, really ever since Steve Jobs died, that the rumors are just out there. And it seems like they're 90% true, with only a few people missing here and there. Now, I don't know if that's because of Steve Jobs, because he was so cranky when something got leaked, or if there's just more people out there, especially in China, who are willing to lose their jobs or are offered enough cash to leak information about Apple's new products. But I say over like the last four years, every time an Apple event comes around, most of the stuff is known already. It's actually kind of boring now. I am less interested, but still interested, but just, uh, just less. Less more interested. So what I thought we'd do is the event has passed, and now we're going to look how the rumor mill scored. What did they get right? What did they get wrong? There's one big thing that they definitely didn't see coming down the pipeline, which I am very excited about, and we'll get to that a little bit later. This is going to be loosely based on Mac rumors because they're kind of like my go-to rumor side. I really like them. They are usually very clear on whether a rumor is from an accurate source, and they usually will give you some idea on how that particular source has fared in the past with rumors. So I always know I'm getting some sort of substantive content from them when I'm looking for rumors. So first off, in the keynote today, they addressed the tvOS. And this is, it wasn't like a huge update, but they went through a few different things like the TV app and a few new partners. And the biggest partner that they announced was Amazon and Amazon Prime content. That's huge because every other device that I use for, for Amazon Prime is just awful. I don't know if it's because the, the actual processing power in these devices like smart TVs and uh, Blu-ray players, if it's just not powerful enough to run those, but they always seem super clunky, jumpy, and once you've been on like an Apple TV or even a Roku device, it's just, it's not even worth, (laughs) it's a pain to go to those devices because they're just, they get so aggravating. So that was a big thing with, um, with the new tvOS. And that was definitely a rumor that was speculated and one that was was said that was definitely going to happen. And it did. So A plus there. I'm a big fan of the Apple TV. I've had one since the first generation. Uh, the silver box, it was about the same size as a Mac Mini. And I've seen it evolve from its very basic beginnings all the way up to where they are now. And I currently have the latest generation. They did some things wrong. I think 
throughout the years, they had some weird sorting issues with their TV shows where you would see, you know, you'd see like the show name season one, the show name season two, instead of how it used to be where you just click on the show and then another menu would come up and say season one, season two, season three. So they finally fixed that, I think, in the last update, maybe a couple updates ago. But it's gotten so much better. And and I was saying from the beginning, they should have just started an app store relatively quick. I'm sure there were other reasons why they didn't do it right away. But you could definitely see that potential from the beginning. And I'm glad they did because we have access to so many things now. We were trying to cut the cord, you know. We were trying to just be internet streaming only. And, we, and we're close. And I think the... I think the next step for for Apple TV is to become its own a la carte, similar to what HBO and Showtime do with theirs, where you can just subscribe to the channels you want. You know, we subscribe to Netflix, we subscribe to Amazon Prime, and unfortunately, we have to have some sort of TV subscription to access network content. So I guess I spoke a little wrong earlier, weird trying to be, you know, completely cut the cord, but you still have to have at least some subscription to at least basic cable or something like that to get to get the content for network programming and Disney Channel and like basic cable channels. So that is TVOS 11. After that, I believe they jumped into WatchOS 4, which was that, that was something that all the rumor sites were saying that was going to be updated, or at least a sneak preview too. And the Apple Watch is a difficult one for me. Yesterday's episode was why I decided to buy an Apple Watch. And it's still difficult uh, to really see why I need it. I really enjoy having it. Uh, it helps a lot when you exercise. When I was exercising more, it really helped in keeping track of you're exercising and you're eating properly. And so I really liked it for that. Now, some of the updates that they did look really cool. Uh, they have a Siri watch face, which has potential. I just, anytime I get Siri suggestions, they're close, but they're not quite there. Um, it's usually stuff that I'm not doing at the moment. And um, that's on my phone. So when it's suggesting things like, hey, Usually this time of day you're doing this. My days usually aren't that structured, so it doesn't help me too much, but I can see the potential for it. Now I'm going to reference you to the rumor sites like Mac Rumors and Apple Insider, those places to get more detailed information about the update. And you can read to your heart's content and see which features are best for you. So watch OS 4. Ding. Good job, rumor sites. You got that. I think most of the most of the OSs usually they get some sort of a preview or an update at WWDC because it's so that's why the developers are there to see what Apple is planning and how the new developments in their software development kits can help improve their own apps. They also hit on uh Mac OS 1013 High Sierra, which has some really cool features and functions in it. They inter they're introducing a new file system. Again, you guys can go read up about that. 
I think it's really cool. Um, I didn't realize that they were using such an old file structure. I'm interested to see how how well it'll work and how it'll improve the speed that I get work done. In addition to that, they introduced um, iOS 11. Now, iOS is near and dear to my heart because I was a first adopter of it. I, I took it fresh off the press. It was with the first iPhone, and I've always liked the way it's worked. Even when there's been some major refreshes and different ways you have to do things, it has always worked really well. So they introduced a few things, a few cool things with that, like the Files app, which is going to, I believe, work hand-in-hand with the new file structure they have on High Sierra. And then also iOS 11, there's a lot of like specific new functionality for, for the iPad and iPad Pro. And there's like a new app store design and that's going to be almost, almost like Apple Music, very similar to that. And they showed things like, uh, like voice translation and they're always enhancing Siri in some way. One of the big things that I'm specifically psyched about on the latest iOS is some of the updates for the iPad because they they showed some new uh, functionality with multitasking and then a brand new dock. And that that really excites me because it's one step closer to kind of melding Mac OS and iOS together. They're, there's a lot of similarities between the two they're getting closer and closer to the way that they look and the way that they behave. And that's exciting for me because I want I want an iPad Pro. I want an iPad Pro, but only if it can do what I need it to do. I need it to be able to do audio production. I mean, how awesome would it be to just take your iPad Pro, go somewhere, maybe have a dock to give you some I.O., plug it in, and record a show or do some remote recording? I think the processing is there. It's just the interface that's off. The actual GUI, the the user interface is just not quite there. But I'm excited on the direction they're going. If they just enabled input from a mouse and being able to have a mouse on that, I would buy one in a heartbeat. And it would replace all my computers. I would just take that. So cheers to Apple for getting one more step closer to actually making the iPad Pro a true replacement for any laptop. Because right now it's not. And also pushing it more towards a pro device. Because I still don't think it's a pro device. It's very close. And like I said, the computing power is there, I believe. Because I was recording audio on computers that had, you know, one-fiftieth of the power that thing has. They're just, they're really close, but they're not quite there. And that kind of does it for their software side. And that's all their major OSs. They have four major OSs, Mac OS, TV OS, iOS, and Watch OS. And they all, you know, it's that Apple ecosystem. They all work really well together. They all are very cohesive. And if you have at least one device with each of these operating systems, you're comfortable, you're, you're living happy. There's usually not too much pain when you're using your devices. So let's get into some of the hardware rumors. And as I've seen in other places, and I didn't know this, but it makes sense. I mean, it's it's a developer's conference for, for software, right? But apparently there hasn't been a hardware announcement at Worldwide Developers Conference for many, 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 many years. 
And so everyone was talking about how interesting it'd be because there are these rumors of new hardware. And there were, I mean, we saw a new iPad. It was just bigger screen, 10.5 instead of the 9.7. And they upgraded all the uh, CPUs in their MacBook lineup and iMac lineup. So that all has the latest Intel KB Lake processors. That was a given. Eventually they were going to do that. It was just a matter of time. They, they did it on everything. So even their iMac line, everything except the Mac Pro. They did not do it on that. And we'll get to that in just a second. So in the iMacs, they also refreshed the display so that they're brighter and some faster storage options, things like that. Just, you know, some, some good hardware updates to keep with the times. Nothing too crazy, but that's, that's just what they do. So in addition to those you know, annual updates to their Mac lineup, there's one thing that they did predict and one thing that they did not. The one thing that they did predict was the uh, Apple speaker, which they call the HomePod. Now, as an audio guy, I have some mixed feelings about this because I think it's a good device. I don't think it should be 350 bucks. I think their justification for it is a little over the top. Uh, as good of a speaker as it may be, I don't think it justifies that price point. Yes, it's a smart speaker. Yes, it sounds good. But at least price it, you know, I would have been okay with like 150 or 200 bucks. But that much money for a speaker is a lot of money. And I don't know how it takes care of stereo channels. I'm assuming it does that somehow. So you're getting a stereo image. But if you want to add two to get a stereo effect, that's... <laughs> That's 700 bucks. That is a lot of money for a stereo set of speakers. Now, I wish that Apple would have concentrated more on a hybrid between this smart speaker or like a stereo set of speakers, a soundbar type thing that could also morph into a surround system. And maybe this will do it. Maybe you could buy five of them and a third-party subwoofer and, it'd be, and it'll work just fine. We don't know. but. They're not there yet. And I was hoping that they would kind of go in that direction because they're very, very centered around home entertainment. So why wouldn't they? <laughs> why wouldn't they head in that direction? I think, I think the obvious answer to that is that they, they are trying to target the Amazon Echo and the Google Home, their direct competitors. So they're trying to get something that's better than that, but they're probably going to have a lot of people buy it. But for the functionality that it has, you're probably better off getting an Amazon Echo or a Google Home. Especially the Google Home, which I, I can't remember if the Amazon Echo, you know, the new little puck version, if you're able to have multiples in each room and stream music to everything at once. I can't remember if that's an option. But seriously, they should have priced it less. Now I'm waiting for guys like MKBHD and Unbox Therapy and uh, Austin Evans and those guys who are down there to listen to it for us and give their honest review, you know, their first looks that they do. So watch them. And I usually trust them, especially Marquez, because he's really good, MKBHD, because he's really good at, uh, he's really good with audio or, or, you know, he's, he knows a crap product when he sees it. And I think he's very tuned in to good sounding audio. So I trust him. If he says it sounds really good, I'll trust him. I probably still won't buy one because 
it's just way too much money. But at least I'll be more interested in it at that point. So far, the rumor mill has been correct about the software and most of the hardware announcements yesterday. And there's one that I don't think they saw coming. I, I don't remember seeing it anywhere. It might have been somewhere. I may have missed it. But the iMac Pro. Holy crap. When they said, here's something that we're working on and we think you're going to like it for the iMac line, I knew right away, this is, it's going to be a pro product because that's, what, that's how they tease it. They've already kind of hit the max they can do for the regular iMac because they boosted the amount of RAM you can have in a normal iMac, which is awesome. And other hardware updates like the KB Lake processor, uh, Thunderbolt 3 that they put on the back with the USB-C ports, the ability to drive like, two 5K displays plus the one in the computer itself. So it's a pretty beefy machine. Then they came out with this iMac Pro, and it was amazing. And as a Pro user, if I if I had a Mac Pro right now, I'd I wouldn't be too happy with myself, especially if I just ordered one. Now they're pricey. The iMac Pro, I mean, it starts starts at five thousand bucks. That's a ton of money. I don't care who you are. I know you get a five K display. But the base model, I mean, the base model of a Mac Pro was, I think, $24.99, $29.99, maybe. So is a 5K display worth another two grand? I would have expected them, at least, especially with an iMac product, to maybe price it around that $299. Because it would have been, I think, a more competitive price point. One thing I thought was interesting was their comparison to another workstation that's out there these days. So there's a lot of custom PC manufacturers that spec out machines to the max and they build them to the max with everything crazy fast and you know the best of everything. And they can get up into that 10, 15, 20 grand mark. Uh, but those, I think those are light years beyond what the iMac Pro is. Now, obviously the iMac Pro is very capable and it has a bunch of high-end specs, but when they allow us to go in and fully spec out a machine, it's probably going to be that 20 grand mark. I would have expected them to give us, I mean, to give us a, a lower price on that because I don't know, it's still an iMac. And as much as I want to use it and have one, and even at the base model, it really doesn't appeal to me because of the fan situation. For video editors, I don't think they care quite as much. But for audio guides, it's all about silence. It's all about the room being quiet. And it's about not having any fan noise from your equipment. So that's why the Mac Pro is usually what audio guys will get in their studios because they could put it in a separate room, just like a tower. But I could still build a custom PC, even a Hackintosh that that's probably better than that $5,000 configuration. I don't think they look at that. I think they, they probably looked at a manufacturer. It looked like an HP that they had up there on the screen. So if they're comparing it to an HP, it's a manufacturer's version. But for the enthusiasts who build computers and do that for a living, even if you commission with somebody to build one for you, you can get a killer machine for 5000 bucks. I do like it. I think it's a very cool product. 
It's just the price. But one little nugget that came out of this as well is they have finally released another wireless keyboard with the number pad. And for those editors out there, whether it be video audio or even um, I think some of the photo editing apps, you can really use that area, the number pad, for other functionality. And it always boggled my mind that they didn't come out with one with the last generation wireless keyboard. Because I have the original Bluetooth keyboard that had mechanical keys before they went to the chiclet keyboard. And I love that thing. That, that was such a great keyboard. And it had the number pad, so full functionality, full control of your Pro Tools rig or your uh, Adobe Premiere or Final Cut Pro shortcuts. I'm not sure about Final Cut Pro. I actually haven't been in there too much lately. But in Pro Tools, which is what I use on a daily basis, it allows for so much functionality beyond what just the normal keyboard offers. So there we have it, guys. I think the rumor mill did really well this time around. Again, that could be a good or bad thing. I kind of like being surprised. I'm glad they had something that the rumor mill didn't really know about with the iMac Pro because I like that surprise. I like the anticipation. I like it gives me a reason to watch because I don't know what's coming. And I'm so happy that they did that. It was that made the day for me. And then also adding a dock to iOS 11 on the iPad. We're this much closer. We're so close to just having the iPad Pro be an actual Pro device with input from a mouse, hopefully, and being able to record 64 channels of audio. I'll take 32, 32 channels of audio, or to be a serious editing machine. Because editors these days need the mouse input. They can't, as much as Apple wants you to be able to, you know, in iMovie, you can go in and move, move the timeline around. And in GarageBand, you can, you know, hit your drums with your fingers and all that. Uh, but to do serious editing, you can't do that on an iPad Pro. You can on any other laptop. Any other laptop that runs Windows, even the MacBook Air. I had an 11-inch MacBook Air for a little while, and it was great. It ran perfect, and I was able to edit and get my work done. So they're just they're really close on that. I'm very optimistic. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in today. We're just getting started. We've had three podcasts up, and this is the fourth one, so we're slowly building. If you like this podcast, please share it. Find me on Instagram and Twitter. We'll have a Facebook page up soon. It's at High Tech on Life, H-I-T-E-C-H, on life. You can also email me if you have any questions or if there's any subjects you want me to cover or just any internal questions you have. You can email me at ryan at hightechonlife.com, H-I-techonlife.com. You can go to that website too, hightechonlife.com. Uh, it's, right now it's just a page that displays all these podcasts and you can go through old episodes, listen to old episodes. It's really just cataloging this. Um, and maybe in the future it'll become more, but right now it's just cataloging. But you can go there, leave comments if you want. Contact me there. Again, good stuff, I think, from Apple yesterday. A couple of good surprises. Most of the stuff is routine, but I'm looking forward to the future. They're, they're just starting to intrigue me again. Again, thanks, everyone. And I will talk to you in the next one.